and this special will re-air at 5 a.m. Friday. Stay tuned for the WBAI Evening News coming up. This is WBAI New York and 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. Stay tuned. Good evening. 12 American forces killed, 15 wounded as suicide bombers strike Karzai Airport. And we then listen to the new governor introduce her lieutenant governor and the fight over mandates for vaccinations continues in New York City. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Thursday, August 26, 2021. Two suicide bombers and gunmen attack crowds of Afghans flocking to Kabul's airport today, transforming a scene of desperation into one of horror in the waning days of an airlift for those fleeing the Taliban takeover. The attacks killed at least 60 Afghans and 12 U.S. troops. (laughs) 
Bodies lay covered in blood, jamming a sewage canal near a gate to Hamid, Hamid Karzai Airport, where thousands of Afghan civilians, Americans, and Europeans have been trying to get out of the country since August 14th, before an August 31st deadline. General Kenneth McKenzie, commander of CENTCOM, announced the losses this afternoon. It's a hard day today. As you know, two suicide bombers assessed to have been ISIS fighters detonated in the vicinity of the Abbey Gate at Hamad Karzai International Airport and in the vicinity of the Barron Hotel, which is immediately adjacent. The attack on the Abbey Gate was followed by a number of ISIS gunmen who opened fire on civilians and military forces. At this time, we know that 12 U.S. service members have been killed in the attack and 15 more service members have been injured. A number of Afghan civilians were also killed and injured in the attack. We're treating some of them aboard HKIA. Many other Afghan civilians have been taken out to hospitals in town. We're still working to calculate the total losses. We just don't know it, uh, what that is right now. Their loss weighs heavily on us all. And- Shortly after McKenzie spoke, the Islamic State group claimed responsibility for the killings on his Amak news channel. The organization's affiliate in Afghanistan, known as Islamic State Khorasan Province, or ISK, had been pointed to as the prime suspect immediately after the blast. General McKenzie says the threat from ISIS-K, as he called the group, is real. It would be difficult to overestimate the number of unusual challenges and competing demands that our forces on the ground have faced. The threat to our forces, particularly from ISIS-K, is very real, as we have seen today. I would also like to express the sense of profound pride I have in the creative, determined, and professional way that that our forces have overcome those challenges. Eleven Marines and one Navy medic were among those who died, and another 15 service members were wounded. Officials warned the toll could grow. Afghan officials say more than 140 Afghans were wounded. McKenzie says little is known about how the ISIS suicide bombers got to the gate past layers of Taliban security. It was a failure by, you know, the Taliban operate with varying degrees of competence. Some of those guys are very scrupulously good. Some of them are not. I just don't know the answer to that question. Um, and, but we will. You, you can be assured we're going to continue to take a look at it and try to make all our uh, all our practices better as we go forward. Adding, there was a lot more to find out about what happened. We did not get on the installation. It was at the interface point where they try to come in where this attack occurred, and we just don't know more right now. We're gathering that information, as you will understand. We're investigating that, but right now our focus really. We have other active threat streams, extremely active threat streams against the airfield. We want to make sure that we've taken the steps we need to take to protect ourselves there. So our focus is on that. Over the next few hours and day or two, we'll learn a lot more about what happened here. And I'm sure we'll be able to share that with you. But right now, our focus is actually going forward, ensuring that another attack of this nature does not occur. Because, as you know, typically the pattern is multiple attacks. And we want to be prepared and be ready to defend against that. McKenzie went on to say there may have been other attacks thwarted during the evacuation of Kabul. What we would call tactical, that means imminent, could occur at any moment. And they range from rocket attacks. We know that they would like to lob a rocket in there if they could. Now, we actually have pretty good protection against that. We have our our anti-rocket and mortar system, the gun systems that those of you who've been out there are very familiar with, that are pretty effective against these kinds of attacks. We are well positioned around the boundary of the airfield, and we feel that we'd be, we would be in good shape should that kind of attack occur. We also know they aim to get a suicide, a vehicle-borne suicide attack in if they can. 
from a small vehicle to a large vehicle. They're working all those options. And then we've just seen their ability to deliver a walk-in, a vest-wearing a suicide, uh, suicide attacker. All of those things we look at. Now, the other thing we do is we share versions of this information with the Taliban so that they can actually do some searching out there for us. And we believe that some attacks have been thwarted by them. Again, we've been doing this for a long, we've been doing this since the 14th. Uh, this, is a, this, this is an attack that's been carried out. We believe it's possible that others have been thwarted. General Kenneth McKenzie is commander of CENTCOM, or Central Command. A decade ago, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange made a prediction on Democracy Now! about the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan, then almost a decade old. That seems prescient today. It's clear that there's no easy way out of the, of the conflict, but it is also clear that the war is escalating on all sides, that the number of kills going up, both civilian and military, is unsustainable. Something has to change, and it might as well be now. And that's Julian Assange speaking on Democracy Now! more than a decade ago. Moments ago, President Joe Biden addressed the nation and promised to stay on mission and strike back at ISIS at a time and place of America's choosing. I've also ordered my commanders to develop operational plans to strike ISIS-K assets, leadership, and facilities. We will respond with force and precision at our time, at the place we choose, in the moment of our choosing. Here's what you need to know. These ISIS terrorists will not win. We will rescue the Americans in there. We will get our Afghan allies out. And our mission will go on. America will not be intimidated. And I have the utmost confidence in our brave service members who continue to execute this mission with courage and honor to save lives and get Americans, our partners, our Afghan allies out of Afghanistan. Every day when I talk to our commanders, I ask them what they need. What more do they need, if anything, to get the job done? As they will tell you, I granted every request. I re reiterated them today on three occasions that they should take the maximum steps necessary to protect our forces on the ground in Kabul. And I also want to thank the Secretary of Defense and the military leadership of the Pentagon and all the commanders in the field. There has been complete unanimity from every commander on the objectives of this mission and the best way to achieve those objectives. Those who have served through the ages have drawn inspiration from the book of Isaiah, when the Lord says, whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? The American military has been answering for a long time. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me. Each one of these women and men of our armed forces are the heirs of that tradition of sacrifice, of volunteering to go in harm's way, to risk everything, not for glory, not for profit, but to defend what we love and the people we love. And I ask that you join me now in a moment of silence for all those in uniform and out, uniform, military and civilian, who have given the last full measure of devotion. Thank you.
May God bless you all, and may God protect his troops and all those standing watch for America. We have so much to do. It's within our capacity to do it. We just have to remain steadfast. Steadfast. We will complete our mission, and we will continue after our troops are withdrawn to find means by which we can find any American who wishes to get out of Afghanistan. We will find them, and we will get them out. Ladies and gentlemen, they gave me a list here. Thursday's attacks were sure to intensify political pressure from all sides on Biden, who already was under heavy criticism for not beginning the pullout earlier. He'd announced in April that he was ending the U.S. war and would have all forces out by September. Biden went on to take responsibility, yet direct blame at former President Donald Trump. Mr. President, there had not been a U.S. service member killed in combat in Afghanistan since February of 2020. You set a deadline, you pulled troops out, you sent troops back in, and now 12 Marines are dead. You said the buck stops with you. Do you bear any responsibility for the way that things have unfolded in the last two weeks? I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened of late. But here's the deal. You know, I wish you'd one day say these things. You know, as well as I do, that a former president made a deal with the Taliban that he would get all American forces out of Afghanistan by May 1. In return, the commitment was made, and that was a year before. In return, he was given a commitment that the Taliban would continue to attack others but would not attack any American forces. Remember that? I'm, I'm being serious. I, no, I, I'm asking you a question. Because before... No, 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 wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate, the best of you or not? What? Do you think that people have an issue with pulling out of Afghanistan or just the way that things have happened? I think they have an issue that people are likely to get hurt. Some, as we've seen, have gotten killed. And that it is messy. The reason why, whether my friend will acknowledge it or has reported it, the reason why there were no attacks on Americans, as you said, from the date until I came into office, was because the commitment was made by President Trump, I will be out by May 1st. In the meantime, you agree not to attack any Americans. That was the deal. That's why no American was attacked. As I've said a hundred times, terrorism is metastasized around the world. We have greater threats coming out of other countries, a heck of a lot closer to the United States. We don't have military encampments there. We don't keep people there. We have over the horizon capability to keep them from going after us. Ladies and gentlemen, it was time to end a 20-year war. Thank you so much. 
President Joe Biden. The administration has been widely blamed for a chaotic and deadly evacuation that began in earnest only after the collapse of the U.S.-backed Afghan government and the Taliban's takeover of the country. More than 100,000 people have been evacuated so far. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. In Harlem earlier today, State Senator Brian Benjamin was officially introduced as Governor Kathy Hochul's pick for lieutenant governor at a rally at the Harlem State Office building. The Harlem native provides a connection between Hochul and New York City, an area of the state not as familiar with Hochul as her native upstate. In an impassioned speech, Benjamin talked about his parents, his wife and daughter Carolyn, fellow elected officials in the Harlem community. Former NAACP chair Hazel Dukes also spoke. He was introduced by Hochul. I'm so happy to be here in Harlem to announce, and I think, well, hey, this is a secret. You don't know what I'm going to say, right? I am so delighted to announce my partner, and the word partner means something to me. We'll work, someone will work side by side in the trenches. Someone will be out there. I'm not going to keep you in suspense one second longer, my friends. I am here to introduce... My partner, Caroline's father, Brian Benjamin, Sark Senator. This is a woman who cares about the entire state, and that is the kind of governor we can be proud of and we can work with to make sure that we get through this pandemic, we can get to a great recovery, and we will do that under the leadership of my friend, my sister, my governor, Kathy Hochul. We have so many fights that we have to wage. Gun violence. Gun violence in our community. We've got to make sure that we keep our kids safe. The homeless problem, homelessness is a massive problem. Affordable housing, huge problem. The Delta variant, COVID. We just thought we were getting out of COVID and here we are. We got to put the mask back on. But you know what? We owe it to each other to keep each other safe. This is not about any of us. It's about all of us. Let me introduce the Queen of Harlem, the Queen of New York, our great Hazel Dukes. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I, second mother of Brian Benjamin, come rejoicing in it. He will work 24-7. I've seen him do this as a state senator. As I said to New York too yesterday, when you know someone, you don't have to have a script to read off. You know what you know. It was right here in Harlem. We will see that we have one New York. One New York. Striving together, everybody be inclusive. I know Sister Kathy. Sister Gail, I called them my sisters. We not from the same mother, but we from the same faith of love in each other. So we gonna do this thing. We going to do it. Harlem, our son, Brian Benjamin. Our son, Brian Benjamin. On to victory. The Hall and Benjamin team. On to victory. Let me hear you say it. Say it. Say it. 
Harlem icon Hazel Dukes. Hochul reiterated several of her own main priorities as a new governor of New York before introducing Benjamin to get vaccination numbers through the roof, getting kids back to school and mandating masks in schools across the state, deploying rental relief out to people in need through federal funding and changing the working culture for state workers. But at City Hall, a brewing opposition to vaccine and mask mandates was apparent as several protesters disrupted Speaker Corey Johnson, screaming curses as they denounced the mandates. Okay, I'm going to say that if we have any more outbursts uh, from the uh, mezzanine area, we're going to have to clear the entire balcony so we can proceed with our stated meeting. This week's FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine will encourage more New Yorkers to get vaccinated. The health and recovery of our city depends on more people getting vaccinated. And that's Corey Johnson. Meanwhile, dozens of protesters rallied outside of City Hall against COVID-19 vaccine mandates set to be introduced in New York City. Protesters held signs demanding freedom and equated the vaccination pass proposal to tyranny and socialism. Members of local teaching police and firefighters union reportedly took part. Pfizer and the FDA want you to think that what you're getting is a licensed approved product when in fact you're getting in the next few weeks something that is experimental. It's unapproved, it's unlicensed, and it's an emergency use authorization product. Now, what does that mean in plain English? It means that only the FDA FDA says it may be effective. And guess what? If something goes wrong, my motto is yo-yo. You are on your own. This isn't a vaccine. This is some kind of a bio... A large electronic sign at the event decried coronavirus vaccines as experimental and not FDA approved, despite the Food and Drug Administration formally approving of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine on Monday. A speaker at the event similarly wrongly claimed that the job, the jab, was unapproved. The city's government has mandated that all school system staff must have at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine by September 27th, but That didn't deter the protesters who decried what they called a vaccine passport. We reject vaccine passports as the new normal. Coercion is not consent. Coercion is not consent. We will not be divided. We are the united United States of America. As of August 17th, people accessing indoor activities, including for eating, entertainment, or fitness, must show proof of having had at least one dose. The mandate extends to staff at all covered venues as well, with enforcement of the rules set to begin on September 13th. The city's health department announcement justifies the measures as necessary, saying the highly contagious Delta variant is spreading quickly in New York City, and unvaccinated people are at the most risk for infection, hospitalization, and death. COVID-19 vaccines are backed by the vast majority of 
national governments as well as international bodies like the World Health Organization and the United Nations with data showing that immunization protects against severe illness and death. And finally, Mayor de Blasio rolled out many long-awaited details of how city schools will reopen this fall, now available to parents in a new handbook. The city will consider all students who share a classroom close contacts, and in the event of a confirmed case of the coronavirus in a classroom, the class will be quarantined for 10 days. There will be no widespread remote option for students, but remote learning will be available to children when they quarantine. Students and staff will wear masks at all times, and students will sit three feet apart where possible. That's a big asterisk, and it's so far unclear how many classrooms will struggle to meet that standard. The city will continue using the standard it adopted at the end of the last school year for closures, shutting down buildings only when Tess and Trace and the Department of Health determine that spread is happening within the school community. The city will test 10% of the school population twice a month. That's significantly less than last year. Mayor de Blasio says the reduction is due to the impact the vaccine has made. The city will not offer a remote option, but children who are deemed medically fragile can take part in a pre-existing home instruction program where they would be taught by a certified teacher either one-on-one, in person, and at home, or in a small group online. But the vast majority of students will be required to attend school in person. And that's some of the news for Thursday, August 26, 2021. The news producer, Linda Perry, our engineer is Reggie Johnson. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.